0: Chapter 10 A flash of white, heavy like smoke, choking and sour. It burst from the closet as it shot out and covered Brant's face in a white cloud. it It's strangling me, Brant realized. He tore at the cloud wildly, frantically, but he couldn't grab hold of it. Coughing, sputtering, and gasping for air, he staggered blindly toward the door to his room and fell to his knees. The door swung open. The light came on. Mrs. McCloy uttered a frightened cry. Brant! what are you doing down there huh he gazed up at her struggling to focus his eyes mom she dropped down beside him Brent mom I uh Brent stared at the open closet door what had happened it was all gone now no choking white cloud no green glow no putrid stench of death all vanished the instant his mother opened the door but Brant knew it would be back it's after me Brant thought unable to stop the trembling that convulsed his entire body. Something is in this house, and it's after me. Well, well, you're beginning to get it now, Brant, Callie's ghost thought. She laughed, watching him pace nervously back and forth in his room. He examined the closet for the tenth time. Then he sat down on the bed and stared at the ceiling, thinking hard. You're a smart boy, Brant, Callie thought scornfully. You're beginning to understand. Something is after you. I'm after you coach hurley blew his whistle one-on-one he shouted line up it was the next afternoon brant stood at half court the basketball in his hand turning to one side he saw Ginny and meg watching from the bleachers Ginny waved to him and shouted something he couldn't hear hope i don't mess up brant thought he'd been thinking a lot about both girls he didn't want to embarrass himself in front of them burks McCloy, go ahead coach hurley ordered why does a coach always pair me up with john brant wondered miserably You must think we're friends or something. Come on, McCloy, let's go, John taunted. Brant bounced the basketball. He crouched low, trying to dribble past John and shoot a basket. John guarded him closely. Watch your fouls, Burks, the coach yelled at John. You led the team in fouls last year. I'm keeping my eye on you. Brant charged hard, trying to slip past John. Finally, with a loud grin of effort, he dodged to the left and took a shot. The ball hit the rim and dropped in scowling john snatched the ball and ran to half court brant set his legs prepared to guard him john dribbled toward the basket brant backed up trying to stay with him then with a burst of speed john charged right into him hey brant cried out as he toppled over backward he landed hard on one elbow pain shot up his arm as the elbow scraped over the hardwood floor the coach blew his whistle john i warned you i didn't touch him john protested he tripped shaken Brandt sat up quickly to examine his elbow. He gasped as he saw the black bruise spread across his arm like a dark stain. No, he thought, frozen in horror, watching the black stain widen. My condition! The stain darkened and spread up his arm. How can I keep everyone from seeing it? Brant wondered. Too late, he realized, gazing up. Coach Hurley and all the players were staring down at him in horror. Chapter 11 Brandt covered part of the blackening bruise with his other hand. Coach Hurley leaned over him, his eyes narrowed with concern. You okay? he demanded, staring at Brant's arm. That's a nasty-looking bruise. I didn't think you fell that hard. No big deal, Brant replied, trying to sound calm. He turned, moving the arm out of view. It doesn't hurt. Sit out the rest of the practice anyway, just in case, Coach Hurley advised. Really, I'm all right, Brant insisted. The coach shrugged. Whatever you say. Brant trotted unsteadily back to the others. He saw John dribbling the ball casually at the foul line. As Brant moved past, he caught the triumphant grin on John's face. Brant lay awake that night as the faces of the kids he'd met floated through his mind. He pictured Abby, her lively blue eyes, her straight blonde hair, her musical laugh. Ginny and Meg entered his thoughts. They both flirted with him whenever they saw him. It was obvious they were competing for him, even though Ginny was already going with John. John. Have I already made an enemy? Brant wondered. John. Bad practice today, Brant thought, rubbing his elbow. The bruise had already started to fade, but Coach Hurley had stared at it, stared at Brant suspiciously. Tomorrow will be better, Brant vowed. I'll show Hurley how tough I am. Creak. The faces disappeared from Brant's mind as he heard the sound above his head. A footstep. Then another. Brant sat up in bed listening. Creak. Creak. Footsteps. Someone was walking around in the attic. Don't go up there, Brant told himself. Just stay here, stay here, and be safe. But he knew he couldn't do that creak creak he climbed out of bed and tiptoed into the dark hallway his parents were asleep their door was closed the door to the attic opened with a soft squeak brant leaned in and listened for the footsteps he heard them steady even steps as if someone were pacing over the creaking floorboards brant silently clept up the stairs he fumbled against the wall clicked on the light the long low room was a shimmering blur he squinted hard waiting for his eyes to adjust no one there weird Brant thought i heard the footsteps just a second ago he searched the attic behind all the boxes and crates no one he spotted something in the middle of the floor a small notebook how could i have missed that he asked himself staring hard at it it was as if someone had put it there on purpose brant sat on the floor and opened a notebook it was a diary he quickly discovered a girl's diary she'd written her name on the first page callie frazier brant flipped through the pages This must be the diary of one of those twins who used to live here, he thought. One of the girls Abby told me about. He skipped the parts in the beginning that seemed to be about some boy Callie liked. But then he came to a passage that interested him. Anthony is so cute. He told us the most unbelievable story today. Of course, Cody swallowed every word of it. My poor sister is so gullible. I have to admit it was scary, but it can't be true. How could it? Anthony said there's a reason why our house seems so creepy. He told us about a man named Simon Fear. Anthony said Simon Fear and his wife, Angelica, were early settlers here. They used to live in a mansion down the street. Our street is named after them. The Fears were really rich and really strange. They tortured people and killed them. Angelica was really into weird stuff, Anthony said, and she used real-life people to try out her strange powers. Brant turned the page and continued reading. The Fears buried their victims in the secret graveyard. This all took place about a hundred years ago. Then, about thirty years ago, when workers were building this house, they found the graves, but they went ahead and built the house on top of the graveyard. When the house was finished, the family who built it came to take a look a man, his wife, and his two kids. The man left his family in the living room for a few minutes, and when he came back, he found them dead. Anthony swears that their heads were missing. Something or someone had ripped their heads right off their necks. It's so gross. Grant set the diary down to take this in. Something or someone had ripped their heads right off their necks. A wave of nausea rose from his stomach, but he picked up the diary and read on. That family never moved in, of course. No one did, until us. Of course, Dad would be the first person in 30 years to buy the place. Now Cody is positive the house is haunted. I don't believe in any of that stuff, but I have to admit, there's something weird about this place, and Anthony's story was really scary. Brant shut the diary. I was right, he thought grimly. This house was built on a cursed spot. It is haunted. I wonder what happened to Callie Fraser. he thought. I wonder where she lives now, what she's doing. I wonder why she left her diary behind. An unpleasant thought gripped him. Abby said that one of the sisters had died. Was it Callie? He set the diary on the floor where he found it. It fell open to the last page. Brant glanced at it, and a chill ran through his body as his question was answered. On the top of the page, in blue ink, Callie had written, I died tonight. Mr. Ross, Brant's chemistry teacher, rapped on his desk for attention. "People!" he shouted. The room grew quieter. Brant sat in the back row of the classroom. On his left sat Meg. On his right, Ginny, then John. Ginny was wearing a black miniskirt, black tights, and a black sweater to match her black hair. She looks awesome, Brant thought. Now that we've covered a lot of the basics of chemistry, Mr. Ross began, we're ready to start our lab work. You'll each need a partner. I'll give you ten minutes to sort it out. The room erupted into loud discussion. John said, We're lab partners, right, Ginny? But Ginny gave Brant a sly glance and replied, Well, John, I don't know. Brant and I already talked about being lab partners. I sort of promised him, didn't I, Brant? She turned to Brant. Brant hesitated. He saw John scowling at him. This was the first time he'd heard any talk about lab partners. But it would be fun to work with Ginny, he thought. And it would be fun to make John even more jealous. Yeah, right, he told her. A promise is a promise. Ginny grinned. Ginny, you're sitting next to John, Meg complained. I'll be Brant's lab partner. No way, I already promised Brant, Ginny insisted. Meg let out an exasperated sigh. Ginny, what's your problem? We're only talking about lab partners here. You'll be John's partner and I'll be Brant's. It's easier that way. "'Why don't you be John's lab partner?' Ginny suggested with a sly grin. "'That's just as easy. That settles it,' Brant announced. "'Meg and John are lab partners. Ginny's my partner. I'll go tell Mr. Ross.' The bell rang just as Brant stood up to go to Mr. Ross's desk. Brant could feel John's eyes burning a hole in the back of his head. The teacher wrote down the partner assignments, and the students filed noisily out of the classroom. Brant found Ginny waiting for him in the hall. "'I hope you don't mind a little lie,' she said. "'I mean... What I said about promising to be your lab partner. I just didn't want to work with John. He's so bad at chemistry, and he'd make me do all the work. Hey, no problem, Brant told her. Listen, why don't you come over to my house this Saturday? We can get a head start on our project. Ginny's dark eyes lit up. She flashed her dazzling smile at Brant. That sounds great. Where do you live? On Fear Street. 99 Fear Street. Jenny's smile faded. 99 Fear Street? Are you serious? Brant nodded. Yeah, I'm serious. Weird, she murmured. It's just a house, Brant replied with a shrug. Well, it can't be all bad if you live there, she said softly, her eyes locked on his. Excellent, Brant exclaimed. Come over around, too. He watched her. She walked down the hall to her next class. Yes, he thought. Excellent. Now, how to get Mom and Dad out of the house? Okay, layups, Coach Hurley's voice echoed through the gym. Brant lined up with the other guys to run down the court leap into the air, and shoot the ball into the basket with one hand. When his turn came, Brant dribbled the ball quickly and smoothly and went for a graceful layup. The ball rolled inside the rim and dropped out. I'll make the next one, he thought. He knew he'd look good making the shot at least. John took his turn after Brant. His layup switched perfectly through the hoop. He glanced at Brant after the shot went through. Yeah, I saw it, John, Brant thought, rolling his eyes. Great shot, John. Let's see you do it again, Brant shouted. Let's see you do it once, John taunted. Brant's next layup was as graceful as the first. His lanky arms and legs moved in perfect symmetry, and this time the ball dropped through the basket with a swish. He didn't glance at John to check his reaction. Instead, he coolly trotted back to the line, as if nothing special had happened. John's next shot barely missed. John stood behind Brant in line and whispered, ''It's a tie. One to one. Best out of three. Brant nodded. He shook his arms and legs. They began to feel heavy and tired. ''Come on,'' he urged himself. Don't give out on me. Just one more shot. The guy ahead of Brant passed him the ball. Brant caught it and dribbled toward the basket. He leapt for the shot, the ball in his right hand. He stretched his right arm high into the air. Ow! He cried out as he heard a loud snap. Chapter 12 A sharp jolt shot through his shoulder. Screeching in pain, Brant clutched his shoulder. His arm felt dead. It hung lifelessly at his side, pain shooting out from the joint, arching over his entire body. Coach Hurley was at Brant's side immediately. I think you dislocated it, he said. To Brant's amazement, the coach firmly gripped Brant's arm with both hands and shoved it back into place. Whoa! Brant cried in agony, but the arm instantly felt better. The intense pain dulled to an ache. I've never seen anybody dislocate a shoulder that easily, Mr. Hurley said, scratching his bald head. You ever pulled the arm out before? No, Brant answered. Well... You'd better go to the nurse's office and get a sling, the coach told him. You've got to get it x-rayed as soon as possible. I think your season may be over, son. Out of the corner of his eye, Brant saw John smirk. Brant turned away, forcing down his angry feelings, and trudged slowly out of the gym to find the nurse. Half an hour later, Brant started walking home, moving awkwardly with his arm in a sling. How am I going to explain this to Mom and Dad, he asked himself. A fist fight in a student senate? He crossed Park Drive and was halfway down the next block when someone stepped out of the shadows and darted toward him. Instinctively, Brant backed away. Stay away, he shouted. Hey Brant, it's only me, a girl stepped into the pool of sunlight. Meg. I know you didn't want to be my lab partner, she choked. but I didn't think you were terrified of me. She laughed her high-pitched whistling laugh. Brant relaxed. I'm sorry, Meg, he said. It's been a long day. Meg studied him curiously. Hey, what happened to your arm? "'Basketball practice,' Brant muttered. "'I dislocated my shoulder.' Meg tossed back her auburn hair. "'John didn't have anything to do with it.' "'Did he?' she asked suspiciously. "'No, why?' "'I wanted to warn you about him,' Meg said, her expression solemn. "'They started walking.' "'What do you mean?' Brant asked. "'John's, like, a really intense guy,' Meg warned. "'She plugged a twig from a tree as she walked. "'You'll be sorry if you get on this bad side. "'He's got a terrible temper.' "'I can handle that,' Brant said quietly.' I'm serious, Brant. He's real jealous when it comes to Ginny. Ginny and I are only lab partners, Brant insisted. I know, Meg said, but you don't know John. I mean, sometimes he goes ballistic. He got suspended from school last year for beating up a kid in Waynesbridge. The kid spent two weeks in the hospital. She stopped at the corner. Here's where I turn, she announced. A strand of Auburn hair fell into her eyes. She made no move to push it away. Thanks for the warning, Brant told her, but I think I can handle John. Meg didn't reply. Instead, she completely startled Brant by rising up on her toes and kissing him. Quickly getting over his surprise, Brandt found himself kissing her back. She's really awesome, he told himself. She stepped back and smiled at him. I know you've got a study date with Ginny on Saturday, she said, but why don't you come over to my house on Sunday? Not to study, we'll just hang out. Sounds great, Brandt said. See you then. See you. She flashed him another smile, shifted her backpack, and hurried away. A few minutes later, still thinking about Meg, Brant walked into his front yard. Abby sat perched on a sagging front step, waiting for him. She was wearing her school uniform, a gray plaid skirt, white blouse, and blue sweater. She smiled and waved when she saw him. Oh, wow, Brant thought. As soon as he saw Abby, he remembered. He made a study date with her for Saturday, but now he had invited Ginny for Saturday afternoon, too. How's it going, Brant? Abby asked, climbing to her feet. Hey, what happened to your arm? Her blue eyes narrowed in concern. Just sprained it or something, Brent replied, thinking about Saturday. Uh, you know, Saturday, he started. Would you like me to bring something? Some popcorn, maybe? Abby suggested. She gave him an eager smile. No, it's not that, Brent said. I, uh, got hung up on Saturday. Some stuff I've got to do. Can we make it another day? Abby's happy expression crumpled into disappointment. But she replied brightly, Sure, another day, no problem. Really? She stood up quickly and started across the front lawn. Catch you later, she called behind her. Right, Grant watched her disappear around the hedges. Shook it over, he told himself. He had a smile. Girls were throwing themselves at him right and left. Maybe I'm going to like it here after all, he thought. He turned and made his way into the house. Mom, guess what, he called. You won't believe what a klutz I am. I fell down the stairs at school today. The doorbell rang at exactly two o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Brant was sitting in a den, watching college football on TV. He waited a minute until the first half of the game ended. Then he switched off the TV and went to answer the door. His shoulder had nearly healed and he no longer needed a sling, but the coach refused to let him play basketball anymore. I can live without basketball, Brant thought. I've got plenty of other activities to keep me busy, mainly girls. The doorbell rang again. Brant fixed his smile, then pulled open the door. Ginny gazed at him, fretfully chewing her bottom lip. She wore a maroon and white, shady-side-high sweatshirt over black jeans. "'This is your house?' she asked, raising her eyes to the peeling paint on the porch. "'Yeah,' Brent replied. "'Pretty shabby, huh? We're fixing it up.' He stepped aside and let her in. Then he closed the door behind her. "'Let me give you the grand tour. This is the dining room.' He showed her the dark dining room with its low, stained ceiling. In one corner, the faded wallpaper was peeling off. He pointed through a doorway and said, "'There's the kitchen.' Ginny peered into the kitchen, which was more cheerful. "'Where are your parents?' she asked. "'They went to a faculty tea in Waynesbridge,' Bryant told her. "'My dad teaches at the community college.' "'Cool,' Ginny said. He led Ginny across the hall. "'This is the living room.' The couch, a coffee table, and two chairs were surrounded by several half-unpacked cartons. Ginny walked over to the wall, with Mr. McCloy's collection of weapons and armor. "'What is all this stuff?' she asked, slightly touching one of the darts." My father is an expert in ancient rituals, Brent explained. These are all things used in tribal warfare. He pointed to a spear. This is a really old spear that people used on an island in the Pacific where we lived, he said. And these darts, he touched the end of a brightly painted feather dart, are really deadly. They were used with a blowgun. The people on the island would blow them into the necks of their enemies. Their aim was so good they always hit the jugular. He paused, then urged, feel how sharp it is. Ginny gingerly touched the point of the dart. Ouch! She said drawing back. That suit of armor, Brant continued, was also worn by the island warriors. Probably to protect themselves from the darts, Ginny joked. Brant watched as Ginny examined the armor. It was very heavy, made of iron, but securely fastened to the wall. The craftsman who made it had painted suns, moons, pyramids, and other symbols on the chest plate. I guess we better get started on our project, Ginny said, still eyeing the wall of weapons. Let's go up to my room, Brant suggested. I've got all my books and things up there. They climbed the stairs to Brant's room. Ginny sat at Brant's desk. Brant leaned across the desk to get a notebook. Jenny tugged on a leather pouch he wore around his neck. What's this, she asked. Some kind of weird change purse? Brant tugged the pouch from her fingers. It's a good luck charm, he told her. It saved my life once. How? Brant hesitated. Why had he told her that? He really didn't feel like explaining it to her. He didn't like to talk about it. Never mind, he said flashing her a smile. You'll think I'm superstitious if I tell you. Whatever, Ginny shrugged. Brant picked up the chemistry textbook. Have you read through the list of experiments, he asked. Ginny nodded. Which one do you want to do? I haven't read the list yet, Brant admitted, scanning the pages. I'm kind of thirsty, Ginny said. Do you mind if I go downstairs and get something to drink while you read the list? No, go ahead, Brant replied. There's coke and some other soda in the fridge. Do you want anything? No, thanks. He heard Ginny's footsteps as she descended the stairs. She's really awesome, he thought, his eyes blurring over the words in his chemistry book. Try to keep your mind on your book for five minutes, he scolded himself. She'll be annoyed if she comes back and you haven't even read the stupid list of experiments. He was reading down the list when he heard her scream. The book fell out of his hands. Ginny? Another shrill scream. He raced out of the room, plunged down the stairs, into the kitchen. So much blood. So much bright red blood.